Hello, and welcome to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast, recorded live weekly at our campus in Scottsdale, Arizona, during our normal service. and I am excited to be uh, preaching with you uh, this morning. So we're going to be talking about parents this morning as we are making our way through the, our Ten Commandments series. Uh, so we're on commandment number five this morning. So if you're counting, you know, you're doing math, we're halfway through a series. So that's exciting. Honor your parents. Uh, so just bringing it real down to earth, just making it real pragmatic. Like I became a parent myself uh, in February of 2018. And again, last October, in October of 2020, uh, in about a week, my daughter turns one. And this is kind of crazy for me to think about. Uh, Many of us here have children or maybe will at some point, but not everyone has children. However, all of us have parents. All of us were raised by someone, um, whether they were our biological parents or not. And we can go into all the various you know, shades of that. You know, maybe you were raised by extended pa- uh, family. Maybe you were adopted. You know, maybe there's divorce, remarriage, maybe a single parent, you know, et cetera. There's all kinds of uh, ways our stories can play out. And so when we talk about the idea of parents, I think it's important for us to recognize and to acknowledge you know, we don't always uh, all have the same experience in that regard. Uh, for myself, my story, um, I was raised by my biological parents, Ron and Jean Chubb, and that's uh, them pictured up there. I almost put a picture of Dave Ramsey up there, too, because my dad looks a lot like Dave Ramsey in his, in his uh, later years, uh, but he's not Dave Ramsey. <laughs> uh, my parents are still married. Um, uh, in fact, we just went out to visit them a few weeks ago, and they, they finally met my daughter. Um, they've been married for 51 years. Uh, they have five children. I have three older sisters, and I have a younger brother. Um, and during this series, I've been sharing like uh, my arm tattoos with you all uh, because they are based on the Ten Commandments. And uh, I have a picture up here of the fifth commandment, uh, which is about honoring your parents. And this literally represents my parents. Um, I have one of a cardinal sitting on top of a radio. Um, My uh, mom absolutely loves cardinals, loves redbirds. I'm not exaggerating when I say the house I grew up in that my parents still live in is like covered with hundreds of like cardinal statues and pictures and like knickknacks and dust catchers and like all that kind of cardinally stuff that you can get at the Hallmark store and whatnot. Like my mom just has always loved that. And so our house is full of cardinals. And like I see a cardinal and I cannot help but think of my mom. Um, and my dad actually worked in the radio industry uh, my whole life up until I went to college when he switched careers. And so my dad uh, worked in this industry and that's like what helped uh, put food on our tables. Uh, he started out as a late night DJ in the 70s, I think, and then transitioned into radio sales. So that's what he did until I was like, you know, 19 or 20 years old. So again, it's like kind of like weird technology is like what I associate with my dad. So that's my way of like honoring my parents. And so let's talk about what it means to keep the fifth commandment, what it means to honor our parents this morning. So we'll pray and then we'll dive in. So please pray with me. Dear Lord, we are so thankful for your word. We're thankful for the truth of your commandments when they were first given to Moses and the people, uh, the truth of your commandments throughout the ages, and the truth of your commandments even uh, through today. I pray this morning I would indeed be able to preach and proclaim your truth. If I say anything that's not of you, let that be forgotten. Uh, but ultimately, let you, let we pray that you be brought glory and honor this morning, and that we would learn to better be disciples of Jesus through this. 
Amen. All right, so as we've done with some of the other commandments, uh, let's talk about like a basic, elementary, popular level understanding of this commandment. Um, As for me as a kid, I took this very literally in that like, hey, I'm a child, I'm a kid, like, you know, I'm like 10 years old or whatever, I have parents, I have to listen to what they say. It literally says it right here in this Bible verse. It says, like, on your parents. Like, so that's what I have to do. Um, and you, you don't even need to, you know, have the Ten Commandments or believe in the Ten Commandments to, like, to support that idea. As humans, uh, we basically, this is something we all kind of agree to. Like, kids should listen to adults. That's just kind of a given in, in, in our world. And I think that's a popular level of understanding. Uh, this is a commandment we may teach to our kids as they need to understand and value the importance of listening to their parents and their guardians. You know, we, 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 there was that children's book earlier uh, listing different Bible verses, and that was one of the Bible verses. And it kind of makes sense of the thousands of Bible verses that you want to teach your kids. That's an easy one. That's a go-to, like, hey, listen to your parents. You know, it says it right here. And again, like, I, I, I agree with that. I support that. Uh, children should listen to their parents, obviously something that like, I, would, I would get along with. Uh, but as I've said with the other commandments, if we, kinda, if we start and simply end there with this understanding, I think it's a little bit too narrow, a little bit too short-sighted of a focus. And Because yes, it is true, listen to the adults who are raising you, uh, but this commandment is, is much deeper and more nuanced and has greater meaning than this. There's more uh, to it than simply like listening to the people that are raising you. Um, I say this for a lot of reasons, but mainly uh, for the giving of the context of this commandment, like of like how it was given and how it was first presented. Uh, because the, the commandments were not given by God to a group of little kids in a Sunday school class. Uh, no, they were given to, uh, by God to the grown men and women of the assembly of Israel. Uh, The law was given to the entire nation of Israel, not just little kids. And we haven't gotten to these yet, but the next couple of commandments, if you're kind of looking ahead, are dealing with some very mature themes. We're going to be talking about murder, adultery, theft, and lying over the next few weeks. These are very, like, very heavy topics. Um, The commandments are obviously for all people, uh, but they were initially given to the grown men and the grown women who needed a sense of uh, guidance between right and wrong, of what it meant to follow God, be part of God's people. Uh, So so let's talk about, so again, it's not just for little kids, it's for grown-ups. So let's let's talk about, like, how do we translate this verse? Like, like, what does that look like? Again, this commandment is is all of one verse. When I was uh, talking with Noah before the service, he, like, looked at the sheet. He's like, Wait, we're just doing one, one verse today? I'm like, yes, yeah, it's real simple. You got off easy this morning. Um, and so because it's only one verse, it's easy to look at a bunch of different uh, translations. And in English, they all basically say the same thing. You have these very boring, literal translations of the Bible. You have these like, really like, exciting, like flowery, hippy-dippy versions of the Bible. And they all kind of say the same thing. More or less, uh, they, they, they have the same kind of idea. And there's, there's two kind of parts to this commandment, two, two ideas to this verse. Uh, there's the first part of honor your father and mother, honor your parents, and then some sort of implied promise that you will live a long life if you keep this commandment. Um, we read from the, the NRSV earlier, the New Revised Standard Version, which is like a more literal version of the Bible. And uh, that version states, honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And I think when we read this translation, when we hear this verse, it may be easy for us to hear the word obey instead of the word honor. 
It's very easy for us to hear the word obey instead of the word honor. Um, and all English translations I looked at use the word honor and not obey. And honor is, is, is a bit of a higher concept than, than obeying. Honor is more than simply obeying, which is, again, what we probably first think about, like obeying and doing what our parents uh, t- uh, tell us to do. O- obeying is certainly part of what it means to honor, honor your parents, but there's more than just, hey, do what I tell you. Honor is more than just cleaning your room when they tell you to clean your room. Um, the, the underlying Hebrew word here for honor, it's used here, and it's used a bunch of other places uh, in the Bible. Um, and so what, what happens is we can like, look at words and then just like, let's compare how they're used elsewhere in the Bible that helps us draw out meaning of how we interpret and understand this. And so this word is sometimes used in a very literal sense, in a kind of like, a, like in a noun form, when it's referring to things that are heavy or substantial. Uh, something that's heavy or substantial is a similar kind of word to honor. It's also used in, in a more figurative sense uh, with the idea of something being weighty or heavy in that it's used of things or people that are impressive or noteworthy. So the Bible uses the same word to describe things or people that are impressive or noteworthy. Um, so for instance, it's used to describe people in a high social status, people that are, are, are wealthy in the Old Testament. Um, often these people are seen as being blessed because of their good character, their righteous living, and that's the word that's used to describe them. Uh, the word honor is also used of men who are courageous in battle. Um, so it's also used here in the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. So this word is used throughout the Hebrew scriptures to describe things that are important uh, and noteworthy, things of significance. It's used to describe people who are important, who are valuable, who, who are noteworthy. It's used to describe men who have fought audaciously in battle, and it's also used to talk about how we treat our parents. And so you treat them as you would nobility. You treat them as you would the heroes of war, with respect, with dignity, with value, with admiration, with high esteem. You treat them with honor. Uh, you were to honor your parents as you would honor dignitaries, as you would honor uh, kings, as you would honor like, the heroes of battle. Um, another interesting thing about this commandment is that there's, there's a promise attached to it, which is really interesting. Honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. Normally, when we talk about this commandment, we, we say honor your father and mother, we kind of like forget that there's this second part to it. We usually kind of drop that part off. And there seems to be uh, this promise here that, like, if you show honor to your mom and your dad, your parents who raised you, you know, respect your elders, that you will then live for a long time. So there seems to be this connection between, like, showing honor to your parents and then living an extended life. And this idea came up with an earlier commandment as well. Uh, We talked a few weeks ago about uh, the uh, command to not practice idolatry. And there was this idea presented like, hey, flee from idolatry, don't practice idolatry, um, otherwise uh, like I will, like, this will uh, go with you for three or four generations, but I will show love to a thousand generations that, uh, that do not uh, practice idolatry. And so with this commandment, we had to do something similar. We had to kind of slow down, talk about that, uh, that with the idea of idolatry, God is not there to punish you if you are committing idolatry, uh, but that idolatry is a learned habit and as soon as you cut, cut idolatry out of your life, the sooner you get ri- able to get rid of that, the sooner you are able, you're able to, are to just flee from your idols, the less likely you are to pass that down to your children and, and likewise. So it's a learned habit. Get rid of it because you're going to pass that down. 
And so that's, I think, something similar to what's uh, going on here. So we're going to talk about this supposed promise. Because again, at first glance, it seems like if you honor your parents on a consistent basis, you do what they say, you respect your elders, then you will magically be rewarded with this long life. And again, a, a very casual reading of this, if you just kind of like cut it out of the Bible and like read it, you're like, whoa, like this is some good stuff. I'm going to do what my parents say. I'm going to listen to them so that I will live for a long time. You know, if that's the case, like, you know, I take the Bible pretty seriously. Like if that's, if that's the case, that's a pretty sweet deal. Hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but that, that's not what's going on here. There's not a special formula for living for a long time doing, due to honoring and respecting your parents. That's not how that works, unfortunately. I hate to be the bearer of bad news here. Because um, I think what's going on here is uh, that there's this general principle in this radical statement. There's a general principle uh, provided in this radical statement. And what I mean by that is your parents are the ones who raise you. They're the ones that physically give you life and provide and care for your well-being. You owe everything to the people that raise you. Literally, for the first few years of your existence, you would literally die if they did not take care of you. Like, again, I have two toddlers now. I'm very much aware of this concept. They are very dependent on mom and dad for everything. Um, but they also take care not just of your physical needs. They take care of your emotional, your spiritual, your mental uh, well-being and needs as well. They take care of those more abstract concepts that you can't quite, like, always, like, nail down. And so part of this is teaching you right from wrong. It's teaching you how to live a good and righteous life. And so for the nation of Israel, it was, uh, it was uh, teaching their children about their past, about how God had saved them and teaching them the laws that God required of them. That was kind of like part of what it meant to be part of the nation of Israel. You teach these things to your commandments. They, they, they teach their commandments to their children. Um, so the Israelites were to teach their children what God expected of them, and they would in turn like keep up with the cycle, teach their children, so on and so on and so on. And so by honoring your parents, by listening to them, by respecting them, by living out the good principles entrusted uh, uh, to them, you would avoid a lot of bad stuff in life. You would avoid a lot of uh, the mistakes that are out there that might cause you trouble, that might literally cut your life short. You know, so by respecting your parents, by hearing their wisdom, uh, the odds were better that you'd live longer as you're avoiding pitfalls uh, that would ensnare you without their guidance. And so this idea of living long in the land that God was promising them, it was a general rule operating out of a general principle. It was not a guarantee. Um, obviously, the Israelites were still going to have to deal with, hey, we live in a world that's broken, that things are not perfect. We're still going to have to deal with disease and accidents and war and all kinds of stuff like that. A lot of things that are out there that can cause trouble cut your life short. And so it wasn't a golden ticket to a life free from suffering, a life free from pain, but it was a proverb that taught, hey, there's something to this commandment. There's something to like listening to your parents. There's something to listening to those that have come before you. There's something to respecting your elders and kind of like listening, like you were not the first generation that's to, to survive. People have come before you. Like maybe they have something important to say. Maybe it's worth listening to them. So I think that's the spirit of what uh, this promise is about. So the, so the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments, it was a one-time thing. We read about it in Exodus 20. And again, the idea was they, they hand this down to the next generation. They teach their children and so on. Uh, it, it was like life. It was inherently cyclical. 
Oh, uh, we're here only because our parents were here. Our parents are only here because their parents were here, and so on and so on. Um, there's this cyclical nature to the world. Um, the Bible describes Adam and Eve as the first set of parents. Uh, they, it describes them having children who created children, blah, 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 and now we are here today. Um, the story, it, like, continues. Like, we just have children, and, like, that's how, how we're around. And over the last, like, 20, 30, 40 years or so, there's been this, like, rise in, like, popularity of, like, disaster movies and post-apocalyptic movies. Like, they become very, very popular. And these, I think one of the reasons these films are so popular is that they raise a very interesting question, like, what happens if this stops? What happens if there are no more children? Uh, one of my favorite films in this, in this genre is a movie called The Children of Men. It's based on a book, but the premise is really simple. Women just stop being able to have babies. And like, what happens when, that, when that's the case? It's just kind of like this thing that starts to mess with us and gets us anxious and makes for a really good movie because this is how it's always been. What do we do when that stops? So there's this progression of life that happens through families, through having children. We just keep going on and on and on. And as children grow older, as they grow up, they get older, there's a very interesting phenomenon that happens where there comes a point where a parent may end up becoming dependent on their child. Uh, their, their roles that sometimes may get reversed. In extreme cases, there may come a time where you, like, you have to literally feed and clothe your parents like they literally fed and clothed you when you were young and helpless. Uh, there may come an, indeed come a day when the roles are reversed. Uh, if you've seen The Lion King, the animated film, like there's that epic like circle of life song. And I just was like, I watched that as I was working on this because that's like what I was thinking of, like circle of life, like the bird is flying over, it's epic and all the animals are together. It's like this thing that like we, we deal with as well. And so I, I think because of that, I think at the heart of this commandment, at like kind of the core, like just stripping it away of everything and like, what is this really about? I think at the core, at the core of this commandment is having an orientation, like having this worldview of, of caring and concerning for the world at hand. So it, I think that like that's like boiling down to its essence, like care about the world. Like Israel was to mimic Yahweh's actions. Like that's what they were supposed to do as a people. Like God appears to them, rescues them and says like, be like me, this law helps you live out how I want you to live. And as God cares about the needs of the world, so do the Hebrew people. Yahweh wanted the Israelites to not be selfish and to care about those around them. Yes, there's, there's personal morality, like don't murder people, you know, don't bow down to idols, things like that. But you're part of a greater world, you're part of a greater community, and you need to show care and concern for that community to the world. And then we show love and honor uh, to our neighbor in this regard. You know, it starts immediately in your own context, like literally in your own household, in your own family. But in the spirit of keeping these commandments broad, like it carries on to the ends of the earth. Uh, we see this idea baked into much of the Israelite law code of like caring for the world, not just caring for yourself. Um, as modern day people, we often look at Leviticus and Deuteronomy. We can kind of scoff at some of the weirdness we see there. We read about like, not eating lobsters and avoiding women like on their periods, things like that. And like, what do we do with that? Uh, but there were a lot of like very cool, very progressive laws that showcased this care and concern for the most vulnerable of society. And I think that's like an extension of what this commandment is about, like honoring the world, loving those around you, not just focusing in on yourself. 
Uh, we often see this phrase in, in, in Hebrew scriptures of looking out for the orphans and the widows and the foreigners. We see this like all throughout the law code. And these were the three categories of people that were most at, at stake for running into trouble. Orphans didn't have parents to provide for them. Like they didn't have like a social safety net. They didn't have the foster care system and all that other stuff. They were literally a danger of starving. Uh, widows, likewise, if your husband died, you didn't have someone to care for you. You didn't have pension plans and 401ks and all that. Uh, foreigners, those who are living among them, they were very easy for them to be like pushed aside because you are not like one of us. And so we have all these laws that were built into the law code to care for them. So for instance, in Exodus 22, we're in, we're in Exodus 20, 10 commandments are in Exodus 20. So two chapters later, we see this uh, idea presented. Do not mistreat a foreigner or oppress him, for you, Israel, were foreigners in Egypt. Do not take advantage of a widow or an orphan. If you do and they cry out to me, I, will, I God, will hear their cry. My anger will be aroused and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. And so that portion of the law, God is telling people like, hey, don't oppress people. Don't oppress foreigners, widows, orphans. And if you do, like your own life is in jeopardy. Your own life is at stake. Ironically, their wives will become widows and their children's will become orphans. Like, I think this is an extension of the, uh, of the, honor, of the idea of honoring your parents. Like, honor all of those around you. Uh, we see again in Deuteronomy 24, when you're harvesting your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in the work of your hands. And they're similar, similarly told not to leave behind, like leave, leave behind some olives and some grapes. So when you're out there like cutting down your fields, you're going to miss some because you're cutting it down by hand. Don't go back and cut it down again. Just leave it because there's people there that also need to eat. Um, so don't pick, uh, pick your fields completely clean. Leave some behind for the foreigners, the orphans, and the widows. These are just a few of the laws that uh, point to what it means to honor those around you as, as an extension of the fifth commandment. Uh, I've stressed this a bunch before in our sermon series. I'm going to stress it again this morning. Like, we come to the prophets. We come to later on in Israel's history, uh, and the prophets rise up and say, like, guys, you are failing miserably at this. You are doing absolutely terrible at this. Uh, Jeremiah 5, they do not promote the, the case of the fatherless. They do not defend the cause of the poor. Should I not punish them for this to declare the Lord? Should I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? Isaiah, woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who uh, issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the rights of and withhold justice uh, from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. And so the prophets arise and they call the people out like, hey, honor your parents, you're not doing this. <sighs> Heavy stuff, all right. So we're talking about Israel, we're talking about like <laughs> their failure in this, like, Let's not fail, guys. Like, how do we live this out? What does it mean for us in the 21st century? Fifth commandment, whew, what does that mean for us here and now? Well, I'm gonna focus on two things today, two major ideas. Uh, the first is this. The, I think this commandment shows us the importance of, of caring for and loving all levels of society, especially those who are uh, more vulnerable or at the margins. Uh, for, for those of you who are parents, it's just a given that you take care of your children. You don't necessarily need a special commandment for that. You can be an atheist. You can be someone who does not believe in God or hates religion. And you can, we can still like agree on that idea. 
Um, but the commandment about you know, honoring your father and your mother is included in the Big Ten because it shows God's care and concern for those who need provision and those who need tending. God wants the people to recognize they are t- to take care of the less fortunate. This starts at home and then extends to the greater world. Starts at home, takes, uh, takes uh, out into the greater world. Remember, Israel had these numerous laws about taking care of the orphans and the widows and the sojourners, and I believe these are an extension of what it means to honor your parents. You start by taking care of your family. Parents take care of their children. Later on, children may take care of their parents, but it extends beyond this. It extends to showing care and love and concern for your neighbor. And Jesus comes along, and like one of the things he's most known for that we talk about a lot is just he radically redefines this idea. He radically redefines the idea of your neighbor in that literally everyone is your neighbor. The whole world is your neighbor. There is not a single person that exists out there in the world that is not your neighbor. That's like just like this radical, like, whoa, like crazy redefinition of that. Again, there is no one who exists that is not your neighbor. I'm trying to like be slow, not look at my notes and look at you all in the eye to make sure like you guys get this. Like everyone is your neighbor, literally everyone. And so I think broadly, this is a, this is a call for justice in the world. This is a call for, for to seek a just world, to seek out a more equitable world around us. We honor our literal parents and you, as you honor your neighbor. This is a a commandment to honor our neighbor by uh, providing food and clothing and visiting with those who need it. This is a commandment to be an empathetic person and to learn to live at peace and be a peacemaker in the world. Uh, Obviously, that's a a topic we talk about a lot, like living at peace with your neighbors, being a peacemaker. You know, if if we didn't do that in a church setting, that'd be kind of weird. Like you're talking to one of your friends and they're like, oh, when's the last time your, your, your church talked about like loving people? And you're like, you know, I don't know if we've ever actually mentioned that in the last couple of years. Like that, that would be kind of weird if we weren't like talking about that. We should be talking about that all the time. And I think one of the reasons we talk about this a lot is because we are people, we have short attention spans, and we forget. We retreat back into our, into our shells, into our worlds, and it's very easy for us to like not like want to do this. It's very easy for us to like uh, not want to associate with people that are not like us. It's very easy for us to not want to associate with people that don't look like us, don't think like us, don't act like that, don't act like us. Um, We as a society, modern day people, we have become so polarized. We live in such a polarizing time. And the call of Christ upon our lives is to get, uh, just to get over ourselves, to reach out across the aisle. Um, like, I was thinking about this, uh, like, you know, we're on, everyone's on social media these days, and, like, there's, you know, like, I think when that first came out, everyone was excited, and, like, this is, like, perfect, we're going to get along in harmonious unity, because of social media, we'll be all connected, and we found the reverse of that is very, like, it has become the case. We've become even more polarized uh, because of that. Uh, on, I think it was Monday this past week, like, Facebook and Instagram, they went down for like six hours. And like of all the things we can say about that good and bad, like for six hours, we just like didn't have to yell at each other at strangers and people we care about on the screen. Like, whew. Uh, So we we show honor and value and dignity to all walks of life, no no matter what the various things are that separate us 
otherwise. So I think this, this commandment, like, we, again, we, like, we want to extend this commandment, this, this commandment to, like, flee from polarization. So we honor our parents by helping meet the needs of those around us, and we extend that to being people who are just known to be cutting through the drama, not getting sucked up into all of that. And this kind of leads to my second point. And the second point is this, is that the church is best when it's intergenerational and we don't all look alike. I think the church is best when it's intergenerational and we don't all look alike. Like, we look like our biological parents. That's just, like, how genetics work. I look a lot like my mom. Like, uh, but we should not look identical uh, to those around us in our church. I have Revelation 7, up, 7 9 up there. It's in kind of a smaller, smaller print. Revelation 7, 9, that's, like, one of the go-to, like, key Bible verses that we bring up when we talk about this. There's this vision of heaven and everyone is before the throne of God, praising God, and, every, and people from every nation, tribe, language, and tongue are worshiping God together. Like heaven is this like crazy like mix of like all kinds of people and all kinds of stuff of people that look nothing like us. And so that is like the church and how it should be. I think that's like an extension of honoring your parents, being intergenerational. Again, in this series, we've talked a lot about like just kind of like sins of the modern age, idols of the modern age. Uh, we live in a world that just overwhelmingly puts value on youth and looking young and all that to the point where we idolize it and we spend billions of dollars on youth and like and, and that. And, I, and it, as we need to flee from that. At churches, we function best when it's a mix of people from all walks of life especially with our ages. That is to say, I think when, when both young and old are valued and have a place at the table, this is where it's at. This is the healthiest place for a church to be. Again, we're people, we're selfish. We want to insulate ourselves. We want to be only around people that look like us, think like us, act like us. And it's, I think we need, as Christians, we need to flee from that and like fight that mentality. You know, if your church is solely folks that are older, and if you're not open to new things, new ideas, new people, you're going to stay that way. You're going to get older and older and older, and literally you will die off. If your church is solely focused on youth, solely focused on the next big thing, solely focused on young, you're going to push others out. You're going to miss out on the voices and the wisdom and the perspective that other people and ages bring. You're going to have this huge, like, gaping, like, sad, like, blind spot right there if, if you're just so focused over here. And that the church is living out her calling best when it looks diverse. And for the purposes of this sermon, I'm, I'm focusing in on the concept of age. When young and older in community together, learning from each other, sharing life experiences together, like, you cannot put a price on that. That is where it's at, like, there. You know, we, we honor our parents. We seek out the wisdom and the experience and the perspective of those who have come before us in our faith. We learn from them. We worship with them. We, like, figure out our lives with them. And then, in, in turn, um, those who have been around longer, they share this wisdom, they share this experience, but also learn new things. They stay connected to the greater world by being around those who are younger as well. Now, there's that expression, you know, you can't teach an, uh, an old dog new tricks. And, and the older you get, uh, the easier it is to get stuck with that and to not be open to new ideas and new things. And I'm at a very weird spot in my life because I just turned 40. And so I'm in this weird spot where people view me as really young or really old. 
And the older I'm getting, the more I realize like how easy it is for me to get stuck in my ways and get stuck in things, and I don't want to like like learn new things. And that can push you towards isolation, and that's not a good place to be. And so some of you are looking at me and being like, "You're just like a teenager. You're just getting started." Like you know. So like, but like, I can see myself going in this this way. Like even something simple like listening to streaming music. Like we got on Spotify just a few years ago and I'm still excited about Spotify and most of my other friends are like, that was invented like 10 years ago. Like why are you just getting onto that now? So like I, that's something like, like we, I think we need to like get out of, you know, and, and not isolate ourselves. And so I think when you're in a church community with those that are younger than you, they can help you stay connected and not be out of touch with the world and just be aware of like what's going on. And so this commandment is a call to honor those above us in age by connecting with them and having them be part of our lives. It's also a call for those who are older to accept the next generation, be open to the ideas and the energy and the things that they bring to the table as well. So we come along each side, uh, we come along each, uh, with, with each other in our faith journey. And as a collective group of individuals with a variety of perspectives and experience, we grow and we worship together. Like that is like what the church should be at its best and like at its core and what we should be doing and like how we best live out this command in our day and age. And so for those of you who are here listening now to those who are listening later online, honor your parents. Have new eyes to see how to be a source of healing to those who are hurting. Be a peacemaker as you seek to reach out and connect with those who are different than you. Be open to sharing your life with those both above you and those below you in age. Thank you for listening to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in finding out more about our church, feel free to reach out to us at any time. Our contact information is provided at www.pbcob.org.